Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. This is Rush Hour with Danny Burke on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome in, folks, to another edition of Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, as always, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook just outside of Chicago here in Des Plaines, Illinois, in a very solid show to look forward to this evening. I'm excited because, well, I got a bet that we can discuss to start things off. We'll get back to that momentarily, but let me tell you what we also have to look forward to throughout the course of this next hour. 15 minutes from now, Nick Whalen, Sr. Your NBA editor over at Rotowire will be hopping on, talking all things NBA on the solid slate tonight. Half hour, our guy Dan Leach, host of the Detroit City Cast, will be bringing all his energy and bets in terms of the Big Ten Conference Tournament that's about to begin with Nebraska and Northwestern. We'll see if the Huskers can keep up their late March magic. 45 minutes from now, well, we know what happened in the NFL today. Carson Wentz going to the Commanders. So we got to talk with host of the D.C. City cast, Frank Hanrahan, see what he thinks about Carson Wentz, how much that really impacts their odds in his eyes and what we've seen from the books and really if he just likes the move overall. And I got a bet that I'll discuss toward the end of the show for Danny's Dimes. But like we said, that's really the biggest news that came about was Carson Wentz going to the commander. So don't worry, we'll spend some time on it toward the end of the show. But to be quite frank with you, I honestly don't think it moves the needle too much. I mean, you're getting an average quarterback going to an average team at a division where at best you're probably still going to end up number two if you can overcome the Eagles, assuming the Cowboys are number one in the division. But again, we'll get to that later in the show with Frank. 
I do want to start with something that I think does move the needle a little bit more so, and this is going to be a futures bet throughout the National Basketball Association. You know we love getting into these and hoping that we can get these big finds in terms of the futures market throughout the course of the season. Last year we had Tom Thibodeau 20-1 to to win Coach of the Year, along with Julius Randle, most improved player at 20-1. to We were on the DeRozan train at 40-1. to It's obviously not looking great right now, but I'm here to present you another decent opportunity for the NBA futures market. Let's take it to the most improved player award and look at how these odds are stacking up among each other. John Morant, the huge favorite right now at Bet Rivers, minus 1250. So you're probably thinking, Danny, what do you, how is there value here? I mean, look how big of a favorite he is. All right, well, just hear me out. Miles Bridges comes next at 10 to 1. Then you get Darius Garland at 16 to 1, and also DeJounte Murray at 16 to 1. Those are the guys I want to focus in on. Now, beginning with John Morant, we can cross John Morant off of this list. Danny, how can you cross it off? He's minus 1250. He's a huge favorite by a landslide. Because you can't be in the consideration for MVP and simultaneously be in the conversation for most improved player. That's not how this works. I had a discussion with people about this last season when we were looking at some of these guys' names. And, for example, Jalen Brown was at, like, the top of the list for most improved player. What is he improving from, right? He was already a set, solidified, solid player in this league. And you look at a guy like John Morant, just putting it aside from him being potentially a top MVP contender, he was the number two pick in the draft. The expectations were already set very high for John Morant. What is he improving from that much? Again, he obviously has taken a big step forward, but again, it's all relative because we had those expectations set so high for a guy like John Morant. And if you're putting him in the tops of the conversation for MVP, it's pretty much just unfair for him to be most improved player. Like, that doesn't equate. That does not make sense, and that's not how this works. And as we've seen in the past, like cashing in on the 20-to-1 Tom Thibodeau, 20-to-1 Julius Randle, despite what some of these sports books may be telling you with these odds, that's not a direct correlation to what's going to come to fruition. All right? That's not how the voters may see this. The voters see John Moran as a potential MVP. They're not saying he is the MVP, but he's definitely worthy of the top three conversation. So that really takes him out of the equation for most improved player. So now that we've established that with John Morant, he's already a solid player and he's in contention for the higher award, who does this narrow it down to? Well, then I would obviously look at the next three guys, Miles Bridges, Darius Garland, and DeJounte Murray. Now, Miles Bridges at 10-1, to 1, okay, it's a little bit intriguing, but it's not something I'm necessarily fascinated with. I'm more interested in Darius Garland at 16 to 1. All right, let me give you some of the numbers for how Garland has improved over the course of his two and a half year career as of this point. 2019-2020 shot 40% from the floor. Last season bumped that up to 45%. This year it's ticked up to 48%. From beyond the arc, went 35.5% his rookie year. Last season, 39.5%. A slight dive this season, 38.4%. However, his effective field goal percentage has gone up a ton, 48% to begin, then last year 51.7, this year it's currently at 56%. Free throw percentage has gone from 87.5 his rookie year, now up to 91% from the charity stripe this season. Rebounds per game got less than two his rookie year, now he's up to almost three and a half. Assists, his rookie year, under four, then went to six, now he's at 8.2. 
and points per game went from 12.3 to 17.4 to now 21 points per game. You cannot ignore the dominance that Darius Garland has presented this season. And for some of the analytical people that love to reference PER, player efficiency rating, well, that's gone up each year as well. Started at 8.5, went to 14.2, and is now at 19. And just for reference, league average is 15. So he has improved incrementally every single year in each category, barring the three-point field goal percentage one. And aside from that, take into account what this Cleveland Cavaliers team was last year, right? They did a complete 180, so to speak. They were... 22-50, uh, and 50, 13th in the Eastern Conference standings at the end of the year. Currently, they're 38-27 and 27 and 6th in the standings in a very deep Eastern Conference. He also just dropped a career-high 41 points last night against Indiana. They're missing guys like, I mean, Karis LeVert is, you know, kind of in the mix, but he's dealing with injuries left and right. They're missing Colin Sexton the whole season. And now Jared Allen, your big man who was in the All-Star game, is out indefinitely. If this Cavs team can stay above the bubble, make the postseason, and Garland keeps doing what he's doing, he is absolutely, without a doubt, the NBA's most improved player based on the stats and based on the team's performance with him leading the way. Now, the case can be made for Miles Bridges, right? I mean, Bridges has been having a solid year. He's been in the league now for about three and a half seasons, and he's seen improvement, but not as dr uh, drastically as you've seen it with Darius Garland. For example... Bridges started off his career shooting 46% from the floor. Now it's up to 48.2%. Last year was at 50%, so he's actually gone down a little bit. Uh, beyond the arc, started off 32.5%. Then last season at 40%. Now he's shooting just 30%. Effective field goal percentage began at 52.7. Now he's at 54. Again, a decrease from last season, though, where he's almost at 60%. Uh, free throw line, a decrease from last season, 86.7%. Now he's at 80%. He has improved in rebounding last year, six rebounds this year, seven. And assists from 2.2 up to 3.7. The big improvement for him is just points per game. He started with 7.5, then 13, then 12.7, and now 20. So that's really where you've seen the big improvement, but nowhere near as many improvements in different categories such as Darius Garland has. His PER has mostly gone up, started 13.1, then 12.1, then 14.7, and then 17.1 for this season. So again, yeah, you've seen him play a lot better, but not as drastically as Garland has improved in each of these respective categories. Plus, the Hornets have a worse record than the Cavs do right now. They're currently the ninth seed at 32 and 34, and last season they ended up with a better record than the Cavs, and are still doing worse than the Cavs are right now. Last season, they were in the 10th seed with Charlotte, finished 33-39. and 39. Miles Bridges started off very hot, so that's what kind of warranted him being the next short shot in these list of odds. But we can cross him out right now, folks. It is for sure Darius Garland, at least, if not over John Morant, over Miles Bridges. And you can absolutely make the case that even DeJounte Murray has a better chance than Bridges. Murray has a PER of 22.4. Last season, it was 16.5 for him. He's improved in assists per game, rebounds per game, field goal percentage, and points per game this season compared to last. But the reason why it may be hurting Murray just a little bit, the Spurs ain't doing too well and in a weaker conference. So the Hornets are better than them standings-wise, and obviously so are the Cavaliers. But Murray was a later pick. He was a 29th pick in 2016, so it's definitely been an improvement based on where his expectations were set. 
Bridges was the 12th pick in 2018. Garland, a top pick, the fifth in 2019. But still, if you're not, you know, top three, your expectations certainly drop a little bit more so. Now, going into one more stat or a couple more stats that I want to talk about that are big difference makers here. Let's talk efficiency differential and expected wins. Darius Garland has a plus 11.2 efficiency differential. And he's got a plus 28 expected win. So how many wins is the team expected to get when he's on the floor in the course of an 82-game season? He's at plus 28. Now, DeJounte Murray's at plus 20. And he's at a plus 7.9 efficiency differential. Bridges, plus 4.6 efficiency differential. And plus 12 expected W. So Garland is far and away, statistically, the more valuable player among these three guys that I think have a legit shot to win most improved player. So I put Garland above Bridges. I put him above DeJounte Murray. And considering we're eliminating John Moran out of the equation because he's in the MVP conversation, Darius Garland right now is your NBA's most improved player, and you can get him for the value of 16 to 1 at Bet Rivers. Some books have him at single digits, but I'm telling you, best value right now at Bet Rivers. Bet it. Darius Garland, 16-1, most improved player. So that's what we're rolling with right now in the futures discussion. Let me tell you some other good things you can get involved with here, though, at VEASAN. Be sure you get involved with the tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy. And it's only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or you're betting all these games against the spread, you get great analysis from Greg Hoops, Peterson, Matt Humans, and many others at VEASAN.com slash madness for only $19. That's VSIN.com slash madness talking more NBA with Nick Whalen coming up next here on Rush Out. This is Rush Hour on VSN, the sports betting network. Want more NBA insight? Well, check out the Hardwood Handicappers podcast with VEASAN senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel, where he looks at all the angles for the games to determine which players are in the lineup, what kind of situation a team is in, and every other aspect of the matchup. There are plenty of great opportunities to bet the NBA on a nightly basis, and JVT has you covered. So check out the Hardwood Handicappers podcast, which is free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts available. So make sure you also check up on every other VEASAN show as well at vsin.com slash podcasts. Well, speaking of the NBA, we're going to continue the conversation in the association this segment on Rush Hour as we are joined by Nick Whalen, NBA editor over at Rotowire. At Whalen is where you can follow him on Twitter instead of the L. It is the one in his handle, but be sure you check him out on the Twitter machine. And Nick, again, you know, we got you on. Must mean the Bulls are playing tonight. And as you and I were kind of joking off air really quick, uh, the Bulls not a good spot, but anytime you're facing the Pistons, maybe could give you a little bit bit of a boost here and they're on the road in the Motor City lane six against Detroit totals at 228 and Nick I get it it's a good spot for the Bulls you think but this Pistons team they still got some fight left in them here toward the end of the season they sure do they apparently have not got the memo that this is a team that is very much angling to get another top three pick in this draft and try to put another big time prospect 
next to Kate Cunningham. I mean, like you said, they've won six out of eight now, straight up, kind of out of nowhere. And we're starting to see some more consistent play out of Kate Cunningham, who's had a lot of highs throughout the season, but it felt like every time he would have one of those like 25, 10 and eight games, he would follow it up with seven points on two of 10 shooting. And he's been a lot more consistent during this stretch. And to me, that's been the biggest difference maker. But like you said, I think this is actually a really good spot for the Bulls, who have been a, a very average team uh, since the All-Star break, to bounce back. You know, this number is up to six and a half. It was at six just a few minutes ago. Uh, so some money coming in, you know, in favor of the Bulls on the road. They're going to do what they've done all season, Danny, which is probably lose to a lot of the good teams. They're now one in 14 straight up versus the top seven teams in the league this season after losing to Philly on Monday. But the reason that they're still one of the three best teams in the Eastern Conference is they've cleaned up in games like this all season long. They've already beat Detroit three times this season. They most recently beat them by 46 back in mid-January. There's a decent chance we don't see Nikola Vucevic in this game. He's considered a game-time call, but consider that the Pistons are also without their starting center in Isaiah Stewart. So if that ends up being the case, I don't think it really kills Chicago here. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, Vooch, definitely something you want to monitor. Game time decision up to this point, and Detroit has been playing very well, but this is a get-right spot for the Bulls. So we see them laying six on the road against Detroit. Uh, Nick, what's sure to be probably a more entertaining game tonight, 6.30 p.m. Central Time. We've got the Heat hosting the Suns. Miami laying three in the hook, total at 219. This game would have been amazing if Chris Paul was in the mix. Still should be a really solid one, but how does that affect things coming into this game? I mean, obviously, Phoenix a completely different dynamic without him. You think they can hang on the road against Miami? You know, I think they have a decent chance. And, you know, the, the absence of Chris Paul is now offset by the absence of Jimmy Butler, who I, I have never seen a player listed as out due to a sinus injury, but that is how he's listed on the official injury report tonight. Uh, he's not going to play in this game. So you're taking probably the best player on either side out, uh, which does level the playing field to some degree. Of course, the Suns will get Devin Booker back tonight after he's missed the last four games. There is a chance that maybe he has to shake off some rust, probably hasn't been doing a whole lot over the last week while he was in health and safety protocols. But nonetheless, that is a massive, massive boon uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, no Cam Johnson, though, for Phoenix. That is worth noting. You look at what the Suns have done since the break. They're now 4-3 and three straight up without Chris Paul. It's been kind of hard to get a handle on how this team has been without him just because Devin Booker also ended up missing half of those games. And they've also been fortunate in terms of the schedule. Five of those seven games since the break have come against Orlando, New York, Portland, which has completely given up trying to win games. OKC uh, and the New Orleans Pelicans. So this is a really tough one. You take Paul out of the equation. You take Butler out of the equation. Yeah, a lot of people probably lean toward the heat at home, but I don't know. There's something about this Suns team. Like they, they seem to be really confident regardless of who's in the lineup. I think I'm going to chase the Suns here tonight. Yeah, I think you make a good point, too. And the Heat probably, again, with Jimmy Butler and no Chris Paul would seem to be the right side. But with Jimmy Butler out of the equation, I mean, you got to think the Suns catching three in the hook is a lot more appeasing here. So uh, I'm kind of with you. I'd lean toward Phoenix in that spot. Now, Nick, another game that, man, I was close to getting involved in this one, ended up staying away. It's going to be Toronto and San Antonio now. Popovich is still looking to make history here tonight, and you know how he is. He's very coy about it. That's what all the players are saying. But the Spurs are catching one right now. It got to as high as two in the hook because Fred Van Fleet, the last I saw at least, looked like he was going to play. Toronto's still a little bit banged up with some of their guys. Originally, I was going to go with Toronto, but I don't know, man. I mean, this Spurs team might have a little bit of a different edge on them because of the whole history thing with Pop. 
Yeah, this is a just screaming stay away from miles and miles away. I, I, I will not be touching this one tonight either. I mean, it's a fun game to break down. Uh, ultimately, not one that I want to have some action on. But, you know, with the Van Vliet factor is big. He says he's going to play. He's still listed as questionable. So that's worth noting. I mean, Nick Nurse uh, can always pull the rug out on us as he's done before. I don't know how much that's necessarily going to matter. He's missed the last five games Van Vliet has. And he's only played in four games in the last calendar month. So I don't, I don't know if he's going to look like himself, assuming he does play. I think the knee issue is is something that's maybe even a little more concerning uh, than, than they've let on. I mean, these are games that Toronto needs to be winning down the stretch, and Fred Van Vliet is missing significant time. So I, I don't know that it's a guarantee that we're getting, you know, all-star Fred Van Vliet uh, right back in the mix here tonight. If you do want to back the Raptors, you know, I, I still think they are the better team talent-wise, and they have been good on the road. They're 6-3 and three ATS as a road favorite this season. San Antonio just 5-11 and 11 as a home dog. But like you said, you have the pop factor. I mean, it's, it's kind of a never-before-seen type of situation where he's trying to become the winningest coach of all time. I mean, it's been years and years since we've had a situation like this. Hard to gauge what kind of boost that gives to his team. Obviously, they'd like to do this uh, at home in San Antonio. Big, big time stay away from me. Yeah, and that was so funny because I was looking at this. I was like, yeah, you know, writing all my notes. And I'm like, what am I doing? This game is just disgusting and literally yeah. just, like, deleted yeah. everything I had written up on it. So I think you're saying it perfectly, just a huge stay away. Uh, Nick, another game that piqued my interest was Denver and Sacramento. Now, when I was getting involved in this one, it was before the news of Sabonis being suspended for a game came about. And this line was about four and a half. That moved it up to six. Now as high as six and a half is Denver laying on the road against the Kings, which is a team they've already taken care of business against three times this season. So knowing that Sabonis is out, knowing what Denver has done against the Kings, you still think laying six in the hook is worthy of a play with the Nuggets? I, I think it is. I think it is. I mean, it's getting to the point where I, I would consider backing off. You could kind of see this being a game where Denver's in control. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, like 117 to 115 with a minute and a half left. And all of a sudden you're scrambling, but he takes the bonus out of the equation for the Kings and, and really what's left at this point. I mean, it's, it's De'Aaron Fox and it's Harrison Barnes and, you know, specifically at center. I mean, is Alex Len going to guard Nikola Jokic? Is Chemezi Metu going to guard Jokic? Is Damian Jones Going to guard him like they really have very few options beyond Sabonis at center. So I, I think this is a really good opportunity for Denver, but it is their third game in four nights. They played a really tough back-to-back -back Monday and Tuesday. It, for most teams, it feels like this would be maybe a stay away or, or maybe a situation where you do consider backing the Kings, but it, it feels like Denver's been in this situation a few times and you know maybe other stars would take the night off or they just wouldn't be themselves. And it's Nikola Jokic, and he just keeps on trucking. And it, it feels like we're going to look up at the end of this game, and he's going to have his usual 33, 18 rebounds, 12 assists. And I, I think at the end of the day, Denver's probably going to cover this. All right, Nick, let's talk about your Bucks before we get you out of here. Got a little bit less than a minute remaining. And Milwaukee at home lane five against the 40. Since against the Hawks. The four and a half point line, I think, is about spot on. It's it's maybe a little bit lower than I would have thought. Milwaukee maybe finally hitting its stride at the right time this season. They've won five straight games straight up after that ugly loss to the Nets right after the break. Had huge wins over Miami and Chicago last week. Did beat the Suns by 10 points, but in some ways that almost felt like a loss given how depleted the Suns were for that game. But man, the, the Hawks have just not been good against the spread on the road this season. They are a league worst 10 and 22 ATS away from Atlanta. Not that Milwaukee's been all that great at home, but 
They're the much better team here. They're finally starting to play better together. The offense is up to second in the league over the last 10 games. They still have a chance at the one seed if they want it, if they want to play the Nets potentially in round one. So there is some motivation there. Uh, they get Grayson Allen back tonight. I think a lot of things moving in favor of the Milwaukee Bucks at home. All right, there he is, Nick Whalen, folks. Once again, senior editor over at RotoWire. Nick, we appreciate the time, my man, and best of luck with all those plays. Hey, right, thanks, Danny. Anytime. All right, folks, and if you want to get involved with the similar plays that Nick's rolling with, be sure to check out Bet River Sportsbook, which is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. And in addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. So download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1 800 9 with it in Indiana. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Nevada. Coming up next, we're talking to the man, the myth, the legend, host of the Detroit City Cast, Dan Leach, next on Rush Hour. This is Rush Hour on VSN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts that are designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. And you've got these city casts available in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and of course, Washington, D.C. So subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get them available and to get hooked up several episodes a week, great local sports betting content. Okay, welcome back to it. The show is Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet River Sportsbook. And uh, look, we're going to be talking a lot of Big Ten tournament stuff here with our guy Dan Leach, host of the Detroit City Cast. Him and I were just laughing off air. Uh, he was given a little bit of uh, maybe not uh, good messaging to Husker Nation, per se. And right as he said that, Nebraska managed to score two points on themselves accidentally. So that's just Nebraska ball for you. But they do have the lead right now. So I will say I'm impressed. Uh, I thought they were going to go off as a short favorite there, Dan. But I uh, actually took four in the hook with the Huskers. We'll see what they can do against Northwestern. What, what did you expect out of this Huskers team coming into the tournament? They were looking pretty fine uh, at the end of the season there. Yeah, Danny, listen, anytime a team beats uh, Ohio State, I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's a high school team. I'm happy. Uh, but no, this Nebraska team, there's such a riddle because, and you and I have talked about this going back, you know, really early in the season. There's definitely some talent there. They're not a terrible team. And if you're going to beat Wisconsin and Ohio State in what, a week stretch or so, you obviously have something going for you. But I, I just expect this to be a short-lived run, all due respect to you and Husker Nation, because I just don't think they're overall that good of a team. But listen, it's March. Any team can get going out of nowhere, and they might have struggled during the regular season. The good news is for a Nebraska team, the Big Ten is the best conference, in my opinion, in the country. They're battle-tested. They've beaten good teams. And when you start believing, I've been calling a lot of high school uh, tournament games here, both boys and, and girls in Michigan, there are some teams that were terrible in the regular season, and all of a sudden they get things going, they start peaking at the right time, and maybe maybe Husker Nation is ready for Nebraska to start peaking in the Big Ten tournament. 
Well, let's hope so, man. Hoiberg needs to turn something around, and they need something in any major sport turnaround as at this point. But, Dan, I know you're uh, you're very fortunate being a Wolverines fan. You have a solid football team. You got Harbaugh coming back. And, well, the basketball team is trying their best to make their way into the big dance. And, look, their odds to win the tournament were at about 14-1 to 1 here. And I know the last time we talked, you're looking at even just into the actual tournament itself, saying they're one of the most popular bets to make the Final Four. But before we get deeper into the dance, for the Big Ten tournament, how are you feeling about Michigan and how they stacked up with their seeding? Yeah, listen, when you look at, at this Wolverine team, and, and, and Danny, it's it's one of these things where, you know, you go to Ohio State, you win for the first time back-to-back -back years since 97, 98, which, by the way, Maybe a little serendipity, the Wolverine football team that actually won a national title in that in that period. But, you know, to do it without their best player at Dickinson, to do it without their coach, and Phil Martelli, you couldn't have a better guy, uh, you know, to, to get this team where they need to be without their head coach. It, there's still a concern. But when you look at, you know, playing Indiana, and then, you know, you know they could have played Wisconsin instead. You know, the seeding obviously has to play Illinois. Uh, it's going to be tough. But Michigan, to me, and I know Joe Lenardi's got him in, uh, on the off the last four byline, like they're they're definitely in the tournament fully. I know Jerry Palm for CBS has Michigan still playing in the first four. If they beat Indiana, Danny, they're going to get in the tournament. And even if they lose to Indiana, based on what the committee looks at with their wins, obviously over Ohio State, what they were able to do to pound Michigan State into oblivion against Purdue, Iowa. I mean, they've they've had some nice wins in this last month or so, and then obviously doing some of this out without Jawan Howard. But to me, if they get in. Having guys like Diabate and Devontae Jones has been a freaking revelation, especially against Ohio State. And, and having, you know, obviously Hunter Dickinson and Eli Brooks and, and Howard back, even though some would say they'd rather have Howard on the sidelines and Phil Martelli coach him, I'm not one of them. But if they get in, they are talented enough to go on a run. And as you mentioned, that bet that, bet that I love, and I took it at 32 to 1. Uh, Bet Rivers has kind of been floating around 30, 32 to one for Michigan to make the final four. They are the third most money bet team after Gonzaga and Purdue and everyone else on that top 10 list, 10 to one or less. They're 30 to one. I'm not saying that you always want to you know, buy into public or sharp perception, but this is one of those times where everything lines up to me. And if Michigan gets in, they could definitely be even the first four. You've seen USC, you've seen UCLA, you've seen VCU. Play those first four games, go on runs, Elite Eight, Final Four. I think Michigan's got what it takes if they play their best brand of basketball. So the game tomorrow, 10.30 a.m. Central Time, they are playing Indiana, as you alluded to. And at Bet Rivers right now, Dan, we see Michigan is a two-point favorite. This total at 136. Now, if you're riding your Wolverines, are you just maybe looking to go money line instead minus 132, or are you kind of just staying away from this game, or have you already taken a position? What's, what's your approach to this first game? Well, you know me. I, I'm not going to risk. I mean, even though it's a small spread, a two-point spread, in, in these kind of situations, and I did this in the game against Iowa, I did this in the game against Michigan State, I'm not going to take a, you know, a point spread play when, when Michigan could lose, you know, the bet, but win the game. I think Michigan's going right. to take care of Indiana. I think they're a better team. Uh, so I will say I, I do have a, a pretty large play on the money line. Obviously, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, eight, nine type game. So either team could win this, but I really feel Michigan's clearly the better team and they'll get their 18th win. But yeah, to me, I, especially in the tournament, Danny, you see so many one, two, three point games. I'm not going to risk laying two points. Michigan wins and they don't cover the spread of like a, a final buzzer beater basket mm -hmm. uh, by Diabate or somebody or Jones or Brooks. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty strong on the money line. 
uh, when it comes to Michigan tomorrow. I think Michigan will get by Indiana, and that might be their only win in the tournament. But Michigan, like I said, they're capable of going out and run themselves in the Big Ten tournament. I'm interested to see how they come out now with Juwan Howard back after missing him for five games tomorrow. Yep, I'm with you on Michigan, and I also agree with the fact, and I always say it here, I mean, if it's a short spread, I'm willing to lay more so you don't get screwed by the volatility at the end of these basketball games, buzzer beaters, free throws, whatever it may be, I'm with you. But, yeah, I think I'll probably join you on the Wolverines' money line tomorrow. But, uh, Dan, I know where you and I are going to be button heads tonight, the Bulls, Pistons, your Detroit Pistons, man, they're on fire right now. I mean, they're not six giving up. Two, they got a nice young how about it? I mean, and the Bulls are on the absolute opposite trajectory. Obviously, they're dealing with injuries and a very tough schedule. This spot, I mean, the line is going up to the Bulls minus six in the hook. It looks like Vooch is going to play. Dan, I do think the Bulls get the job done, but there's no way I'm laying six and a half with them, knowing how the Pistons are playing, how the Bulls have played, and just for the fact that you can definitely get a better in-game number if you want to bet the Bulls here because it's going to be close at some point. Danny, listen, I love our little Windy City rivalry. You know how much I love you, and, and it's an honor to come on your show. I, I like the Bulls. I've given plays out on your show and, and other shows on decent. You know, Gerard DeRozan to win the MVP. Bulls, you know, to win the Eastern Conference. Bulls to win the NBA title, which is, uh, you know, not gonna, not an easy thing for them to do. But I just like the value in their odds in the 20s and 30s at times this year. You know, this Bulls team is clearly better than the Pistons. But I'll tell you this. After struggling a lot at home for much of the season, and obviously early on there was no Kate Cunningham, Jeremy Grant was out for a while, the Pistons are playing some really strong basketball at Little Caesars Arena. Yeah, they've won some games on the road. They were almost a double-digit dog against the Hornets beat Charlotte about five or so games ago. You know, they beat the Raptors on the road as almost double-digit underdogs. Um, you look at what they did against Indiana a couple games ago, and then the Hawks in overtime holding Trey Young, I believe it was 12 points. They are playing great at home, and you're, to your point, the Pistons are probably going to lose this game, but I love the six or six and a half because I think it's going to be another one-two possession type game. The Bulls win it, but the Pistons cover, and heck, the way the Pistons are playing at home, they might win this game. So, you know, Detroit's an 18-47 and 47 team. They're one of the worst teams in the league, but the future is bright, and obviously only getting a piece, whether it's Holmgren or Jamari Smith or whoever it is, for Kate Cunningham. But I like the way that they're playing for Dwayne Casey right now. Bulls. Definitely have, you know, a much more talented team than Detroit. But at LCA, I think it's a close game. And I'm taking the Pistons plus six or six and a half. There's no way I would lay that on the Bulls on the road the way Detroit's playing. As I mentioned, six of their last eight and playing some really good basketball at home. Yep, I'm with you. The Bulls will make it closer than it needs to be, and everybody's going to start panicking. They probably close it out, but the Pistons, I would bank on them covering more so than I would the Bulls. Uh, Dan, we got about 45 seconds left. How about the big shift? And the NFL draft odds, your boy Aiden Hutchinson now minus 177 to be selected number one. Yep. Evan Neal goes to plus 425. I mean, is it because of mock drafts that are coming out? What gives with the switch? Well, the odds makers, you know, when you, you, they really don't use these mock drafts to do their kind of – I mean, it's a lot different to, to handicap, you know, NFL draft odds than it is other stuff with power ratings. But I'll tell you, I think in the end, Aiden Hutchinson will kind of be even money and Neal will be a little positive money uh, as well. It hurts because I'm being a Lions fan. I want Hutch. I know that Mel Kuyper's named the best prospect in the draft. Obviously, Peter King has done the same. I think there's a real chance the Jaguars could spring for him because they obviously, you know, just uh, uh, franchise Cam Robinson. But they still need tackles and offensive linemen to protect Trevor Lawrence. So I still think the, the dream scenario, O-lineman for the Jags, Hutch falls to the Lions, take the money, and run. <laughs> There you go, folks. Hey, Dan, uh, I know you are a busy man this week and pretty much every week. So, again, we appreciate you making some time. Best of luck with your plays. We'll be sweating out the Wolverines tomorrow, but uh, excited to talk to you again soon as we get closer throughout tournament time and the NFL draft. 
Always the best to be with you. Good luck to Husker Nation. And I can't <laughs> wait to be on again. It's always the best being with you guys. Thank you, Dan. Always appreciate it. At DanLeach971, where you can follow him on Twitter. And, of course, be sure to check out the Detroit City Cast with your host, none other than Dan Leach. All right, coming up next, we did have more big news throughout the NFL. Carson Wentz going to the Commanders. Well, some it's big news, and some of those people involving Frank Hanrahan, host of the D.C. City Cast, will pick his brain about it. How does that affect the odds and his sentiment toward the team? We'll discuss next. Check out the podcast Coast to Coast Hoops. Greg Hoops Peterson looks at every college basketball game on the upcoming schedule to find you betting opportunities. He's got an opinion on every single game, and his podcast provides his unique insights and looks for all those games that have those great betting opportunities. So download Coast to Coast Hoops now at vsin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts available. And while you're there, make sure you catch up on every other VEASAN show as well at vsin.com slash podcasts. Okay, welcome back to Rush Hour, final segment this evening. Thank you for being with us. I'm Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke 5 where you can catch me on Twitter. We saw some big news all throughout Twitter earlier today with the movement of Carson Wentz from the Colts to the Washington Commanders, so we had to bring in our D.C. expert, Frank Hanrahan, at Hanrahan on Twitter to get his thoughts on the newest acquisition. Frank, we've been talking about it the last couple of times you've been on the show. Are they going to draft someone? Are they going to explore the market? Well, they get Carson Wentz. Uh, I was kind of joking a little bit. I mean, I, I think for me personally, maybe a lot of people outside of D.C., it doesn't really move the needle too much. But, I, I mean, what are your thoughts and your instant reaction to the acquisition of Carson Wentz? Yeah, it, it doesn't move the needle at all for me. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> this is a, a desperate move by a desperate team. And I swear to you, Danny, just a couple weeks ago, uh, there was a report out, and correct me if I'm wrong, that said the Indianapolis Colts were going to release uh, Carson Wentz, right? And now all of a sudden he's been traded for two third-rounders to the Washington Commanders and a second-round pick. This is, this is an interesting move. I don't think it moves the meter at all. I think it just reeks of desperation. And I also think as a fan of the team, you've got a new name, new logo, new uniforms, and the guy that's leading you out on opening day is Carson Wentz, a guy that was traded for for a first and a third just two years ago for the Colts, who have already given up on him. So there's got to be something to it. And I think the Colts kind of pulled out the rug on the commanders by getting this deal done. Because, like I said, I thought this guy was going to be a free agent in a couple weeks. And yet he's getting his full salary next year, $28 million, $5 million uh, next week because he's on the team. It's just a bizarre and strange acquisition by the commanders. It was clear that... Jim Irsay wanted nothing to do with Carson Wentz after their inability to overcome the Jaguars to make the postseason. 
So it, I guess, so to speak, it's like you're almost picking up their scraps. Now, who are the Colts going to get that's better? I don't know if they think Trubisky is. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. But the point is, I think you nailed it, Frank. I mean, at this point, it's like, oh, you couldn't get Russell Wilson. Well, what's the next best option? I guess we'll settle for Carson Wentz. And you're really not, I mean, you're still paying a massive contract, as you alluded to. And speaking of not moving the meter, I mean, in terms of the betting odds, Frank, it really didn't shift too much. I mean, the commander's still third in terms of the shortest odds to win the division. The Cowboys minus 125 at Bet Rivers, the Eagles plus 325, then Washington plus 450, and the Giants at plus 650. Do you think this changes anything on a betting standpoint, whether it's game to game or the futures market? That's a great question because I remember Danny playing games last year, looking at the Colts and saying, you know what? I cannot bet on Carson Wentz. I just can't. He is turnover prone. He makes unbelievably bad decisions in key moments. Um, and as how many years has he been in the league now? Five or six. And if a coaching staff can't get through it to him, hey, look, we're in this spot. Don't turn the ball over no matter what. And however he did it, he was able to turn the ball over in crucial spots. I would never bet on Carson Wentz. And so to your question, this makes no change in my mind as them improving their odds of winning in the NFC East. I think this is, again, a, a, a situation I just don't understand. And the odds have actually gotten, I think, a little worse for the commanders now to win with him at quarterback because I think we've seen the history of this guy. And if Coach Ron Rivera thinks that he can magically change him into something that we all hope he can be, I mean, remember, second round or second overall pick, right? Six years ago. And everything was looking great until he got injured. Turnover prone. Uh, locker room issues, leadership issues, so many questions I would not bet on Carson Wentz. Yeah, it's kind of like when the Bears went out to get Mike Lennon when they drafted Mitch Trubisky. You knew nothing good was going to come from it. It's kind of like when they brought on Andy Dalton and they drafted Fields. You knew nothing was going to come from it. I'm not saying Washington's going to draft a quarterback, but it has that feel to where it's like you realize what the ceiling is with a guy such as Carson Wentz. At best, I think he clinches you a playoff spot but can't win a game of the postseason. That's really my thought process on Carson Wentz. Yes, he was almost an MVP before he got injured, but he has been nowhere near the same ever since that point now frank aside from your perspective on it obviously you have a great pulse in the city of dc and how they feel about all these moves and whatnot so how are all the other fans of the commanders feeling about Wentz being their new quarterback i i think the key word is desperation a desperate team trying to make a uh name for themselves this offseason and it looks just so curious because what a week ago there was a report that hey the commanders are in serious talks to get a legitimate quarterback. A big swing is what we heard. Russell Wilson is what we heard. Maybe Deshaun Watson. But there were no whispers of Carson Wentz. And I think there was good reason for that. This is not a guy that is going to make fans go crazy. I think there are some that are trying to convince themselves. Well, you know what? Nice bridge. Maybe we'll still draft a rookie quarterback. But again, my whole point, Danny, is you've got this whole new team. And on opening day, this guy is going to be leading your team out onto the field, and you're trying to attract new fans. You're trying to build a new stadium. You're trying to get a buzz. This is not a buzz getting Carson Wentz.
You nailed it perfectly. I completely agree with you. And obviously, I have the outside perspective. So to hear you say that as the insider within the city, man, I think you're spot on with it. But at least he can provide some new topic of conversation or maybe some <laughs> excitement for you throughout the course of the football season. Got, got to remain somewhat optimistic, Frank. But hey, uh, we appreciate you taking a few moments to talk about it with us. And we're excited to hear more of your thoughts on the city cast throughout the course of this week. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. You got it. Frank Hanrahan at J Frank Hanrahan on the tweets. And again, host of the DC City Cast, VEASAN.com slash podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts available. You can catch Frank talking plenty more about the commanders and their newest acquisition of quarterback Carson Wentz. All right, guys, we got a few minutes left before we head out here. I wanted to give out one more play at the beginning of the show. We talked about a futures bet with Darius Garland, 16 to 1, most improved player. If you missed that, you know, little rant, I'll probably tweet it out or, of course, check it out, iHeartRadio, VEASAN.com if you want to hear it back. Uh, I did want to give you one prop for tonight, though, that we can look forward to bet and get an early result, and that's going to be this Nuggets game against the Kings. Monte Morris is a guy I'm circling in on for his prop this evening. Three-point field goals made. One and a half was the number. The over minus 139, under plus 110. I, I think this shifted a decent amount toward the over, but would still play it. Now, overall this season, Morris hasn't necessarily been lighting it up from beyond the arc. He's making less than two per game on about four and a half attempts, 38.5% from beyond deep. But he has gone over this in 28 out of 59 games. And he's gone over this mark of one and a half three-point field goals made in the last three consecutive games. He's played against the Kings three times. He has made two or more threes in two out of three of those contests. First game went one of three from deep. Then he knocked down three of four. Then he knocked down five of six. 40% of his shots do come from deep. So he is getting a solid amount of looks from that range. And it's a favorable matchup because the Kings rank 25th in defending beyond the arc. Opponents making about 34.5% of their shots. Now, overall, I did like the Nuggets in this game, but the line kind of got out of hand with the news of Sabonis being absent. The Nuggets have taken care of business three times against the Kings this season. Aside from this prop, I'd probably look to get a better in-game number on the Nuggets if you can get it and then attack it. But if you want to bet pre-flop, I really like this Monte Morris over one and a half, three-point field goals made. Again, I snagged minus 139. I think it's close to like minus 150. I probably wouldn't venture too much over that, but I think Monte Morris could have a couple of trays tonight. And that's what we're going to be banking on. So that's our play for this evening. And again, at the beginning of the show, the other dime that we did have is a futures bet for Darius Garland, 16 to 1 to win most improved player. John Moran isn't going to win it. He's in the conversation for MVP. Darius Garland ain't going to be 16 to 1 for much longer. Heck, the best value on him at 16 to 1 is at Bet Rivers. Some other books have him at single digit odds. So take advantage of it while you can. Darius Garland, most improved player at 16-1. And then our prop bet tonight, Monte Morris, over one-and-a-half, three-point field goals made, minus 139. All right, so that's going to about do it for this edition of Rush Hour. Thank you to everybody for joining us. Nick Whalen, great conversation surrounding the NBA. Dan Leach bringing all of his energy, talking some college hoops, NBA, and, of course, some NFL draft, which we will cover plenty more as we get closer to draft day. And then Frank Hanrahan giving us his thoughts, maybe not optimistic ones, but still very insightful thoughts for Carson Wentz going to his commanders. Appreciate everybody hopping on. Best of luck with all your plays, folks. We'll catch up again tomorrow with more hockey and basketball action here on Rush Hour.